what a story. You think about that story for a moment, and somebody who is asking for Jesus to come and touch them, but very quickly followed by a story where they came and merely touched a part of Jesus. A woman who had been bleeding for 12 years is miraculously healed. I don't know what you think about when you hear a story like that, when somebody is healed in that miraculous way. No doubt there are some of you here today that say, well, that's the stuff that happened in the days of Jesus. It doesn't happen like that anymore today. Well, I want you to put that thinking aside for a while because I want to tell you something this morning. The same healing power that touched that woman's life is available for each and every person who is here this morning. Indeed, if you're struggling with things that are beyond your control, and most of us are, if you're trying to change your life but you're discovering that everything that you have been doing doesn't seem to work, then perhaps today's message will help you take hold of God's power. Now, for this woman to take hold of Jesus' robe and receive his healing power, the very first thing she needed to do was to let go of some things. She had to let go of some stuff that was standing between her, uh, her and her wholeness. Now, in the same way, there may be things that are standing between you and God today, things that stand between what God wants to do in your life and what it is that you hope he would do in your life. You need to get rid of some things before you can literally reach out to touch the hem and experience his power. Now, last week, if you were here, we talked about five things to hang on to. I'm not going to talk about things to hang on to today. Instead, I'm going to talk about three things to let go of. Three things we need to let go of in order for us, too, to experience that life-changing power that God has for us in our life. Here's the very first thing. You need to let go of your futile efforts. Now, think back again. This woman had been bleeding. In the old King James, it said she had an issue of blood. The blood flowed out of this woman for 12 years. And for 12 years, she had tried everything she could possibly do in order to be healed. Verse 26 of our text says she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, what? She grew worse. This was one sick woman. Now, to create change in your life at some point, you have to admit what is working and what is not working. Somebody said, what, the height of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? Well, here's a woman who said, I've been doing something over and over again, but nothing is happening. I mean, this woman thought doctors could heal her. And so she kept spending money on medical care until she spent everything that she had. She was no better off than she was in the beginning. In fact, as our text says, she had actually gotten worse. Now she's broke. She finally came to the point where she says to herself, this isn't working. I can't do this on my own. I cannot buy good health. I am totally and hopelessly helpless. One book that I've read recently I picked it up out at Books a Million, kind of an interesting book. It's called How to Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive, written by a guy named Harvey McKay. Well, in that book, Harvey McKay says, if you have a problem that money can solve, you don't have a problem. You just have an expense. 
See, he has a point, but let me tell you about a mistake that many of us actually make. We often act as if we can buy off every problem we have. If we throw enough money at it, it'll just go away, but more often than not, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, I wonder, for example, how many husbands, I'm thinking, I don't know if women do this too much, but I wonder how many husbands have ever tried to revive their marriage by going out and suddenly buying all these expensive gifts for their wives. Or I wonder how many parents have tried to re- reconnect with their kids by going out and buying them a whole bunch of expensive gifts. See, too often our knee-jerk reaction every time we have a problem is to throw some money at it, and more often than not, it really doesn't work. Now, when this woman in this story first became sick, she apparently had a certain amount of money at her disposal, and she did what was common sense, at least at that point. She went and she visited a doctor. But he couldn't help her. So what did she do? She went for a second opinion. He couldn't help her either. She went to another doctor and another doctor and another doctor and another doctor. She got worse, and she spent every penny that she'd ever had. She was at the end of her rope and suddenly realized that the only resource she had was not enough to help her out. Now, trying to buy back her health was what? An exercise in futility. Like her, I think from time to time, we need to ask ourselves some serious questions. Ask ourselves questions like this. Where am I exercising futility in my life? Where am I wasting my efforts in trying to change? Now, maybe you're not trying to buy off your problems, but maybe you're trying to work off your problems. Or maybe you think that if you keep everybody in your life kind of under control, you know, eventually your marriage would get better or your relationship to your kids would get better. If you could just get everything under control, or maybe your job would get better and on and on. You know, when I was a kid, um, you know, I, I suppose I still got the problem today, but uh, you, you have not seen it. I, I have a a pretty quick temper sometimes. I think that's something I inherited from my father, and I've seen it manifest in my son also, and I probably could find it in my grandson too. But, you know, when I would get angry as a young boy, uh, one teacher gave me this wise counsel. They said, count from one to ten. That would help me control my temper. Well, what I discovered was counting one to ten only delayed my temper ten seconds. See, counting to ten isn't the solution any more than counting to 10 million is the solution. That's just an exercise in futility. If you really want to control your temper, for example, the change has to come from the inside out. It literally becomes an act of God. Eventually, you've got to come to the point where you realize your helplessness and you realize the only way out of the situation you find yourself in is if God himself intervenes in your life. You've got to realize that there are things that you cannot do on your own. For example, you cannot force your spouse to fall back in love with you. You can't force your children to have a good relationship with you. You can't, by your own determination, eliminate sin. Or as Luther says, you cannot, by your own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ your Lord or come to him. You need something from the outside. You need an act of God You need Jesus working in your life. You get to the end of your rope, and you've got to say, God, I can't do this on my own. Now, to experience God's power in your life for lasting change, some of you need to learn to let go 
of what it is you've been doing. Here's the second thing. You need to let go of your shame. What this story doesn't tell us about is some historical and cultural facts. When this woman reached out and touched Jesus, he insisted on knowing who she was or who touched him. It was finally this woman came forward. Now, you see, it wasn't just that this woman had a health problem. It wasn't just that she had been bleeding for 12 years. According to the laws and the customs of that day, the type of illness she had made her ceremonially unclean. She was not to be out of the house in public. She was not to be out in the middle of a crowd. She was not to be touching anyone. The illness and the disease that this woman had would have kept her from or prevented her from having natural relationships with her husband. It would cause people who were really strict religionists to shun her altogether. She would have been unclean, people would have said, when they saw her in public. So for 12 years she had been carrying not only this illness in her body, she had also been carrying with her a tremendous amount of shame. No doubt she saw herself as an unclean person. No doubt she saw herself as like a second-class citizen. But then I think to myself, how many people do I know who walk through life as well, carrying a heavy load of shame? In my 25 years or so of being a pastor, I have come across a number of people who have come to my office and come to see me, and they say, Pastor, I finally did a sin that God cannot forgive. I always say, really? <laughs> what sin could that be? Because if you finally came up with one that God can't forgive, then God must not really be as good as, and great as he says he is. Well, maybe it's not one that can't be forgiven, but pastor, I've done something that, that is so bad that I'm sure God just doesn't like me anymore. I mean, there are people who feel that sort of shame in their life, believing that because of a sin or an activity they've been struggling with or a bad experience in their life, they somehow feel that they are relegated to second-class status. The truth is, friends, if you let go of your shame, and if you're honest with yourselves, with God and with other people about who you really are, you too can receive God's healing power. That's what 1 John talks about. If we confess our sins, if we own up to it, if we admit we can't do anything about it, God can take care of it. Well, see, this is what happened to the woman in the story. Verse 33, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Now, think about this. I think the whole story is kind of funny. Jesus is walking through this crowd, and this gal barely touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus immediately says, I felt the power drain out of me. Who did it? The disciples' rather comical reply is what? Oh, come on, Jesus, there are people poking us and pushing us and ramming us around. You're worried about somebody who touched your clothes? And here comes this woman, then, to admit that it was her. And now she stands face-to-face -face with Jesus, a rabbi, someone who would have known the ceremonial laws of the Jews. I mean, Jesus could have looked at her and said, how dare you touch me? You're unclean. You don't even have any right to be here. 
I mean, he could have exposed her to public humiliation. But he did not. He did not any more than than he exposes us to public humiliation because of our sins. God could say to us this morning, friends, what are you doing here? Why do you come into my presence? You're just a bunch of unclean people. But God doesn't do that to us either. Instead, he takes this woman, even as he does to us, and he, he lifts, elevates us to public honor. He tells this woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That's a word you ought to carry out of here this morning, too. Whatever you walked in here with, whatever was kind of pushing you down and making you feel less than first class in God's sight, God says, I want you to walk away and understand that you can go in peace. You can leave this place today and be freed from whatever suffering you are experiencing. But to do that, you've got to let go of something. You've got to let go of your shame. You've got to be willing to be open and honest about who you are and what it is that you're struggling with. I mean, he wants you to overcome whatever it is that afflicts you. And he wants you to know that there is no shame in being an overcomer. I don't know that it's any coincidence that pastors of three of the largest churches in America, Bill Hybels, who pastors Willow Creek Church in the Chicago area, Rick Warren, who pastors Saddleback Church in Mission Viejo, California, and Ed Young, Jr., who pastors Fellowship Church in Grapevine, Texas, have all stood in the front of their congregations and openly revealed the struggles that they were going through in their own personal lives. All three of these pastors have talked candidly about their marital problems. They have talked openly about their personal weaknesses and the failures that they have experienced in their Christian lives. Now what they've all discovered is that when you stop trying to cover up, when you stop trying to hide the truth, and you openly confess your sins before God and are willing to admit it to other people, you begin the process of finally experiencing his power in your life. That's why I say you need to learn to let go of your shame. And by the way, do you know what shame's cousin's name is? Shame's cousin's name is pride. Pride. And pride's crippling strength is that it often will not let you open up to your weakness because you want people to think that you are somehow above that weakness. But friends, I tell you, don't kid yourselves. Other people look at you, they know you got weaknesses. Believe me, if anybody lives with you, they know you have weaknesses. People can tell by looking that there are things sometimes that are wrong in your life. I always think of a young girl when I was teaching high school who would meet me down the hallway and she'd say, good morning, how are you? And I would say, I'm fine. And she'd say, well, then let your face know about it. And all she was saying was by my demeanor, she could tell that I was not as good as I said I was. To be open and honest with yourself and to be open and honest before God about who it is that you are. To let go of some things, to let go of that shame, and to let go of things that just plain simple don't work. But third, we need to let go of our doubt. Let go of our doubt. The woman in this story had faith that if she could just touch the hem, just the bottom part of Jesus' garment, that she could be healed. 
Now, let me ask you this. Where did she get the idea that that would work? Where did that idea come from? That if she could just touch his hem, she would be healed. Now, did she find that in some Old Testament Bible passage that she knew? Was that a promise in the Old Testament? Well, I'll be honest with you. I can't find that anywhere in in the Bible. All I know is this woman had faith, and she put all of her faith in Jesus. She let go of all of her doubts that she might have had, the doubts that might have said, oh, he wouldn't heal me, after all, I'm just a woman, or he's not going to heal me because he's not about to touch somebody who's unclean, or besides that, there are probably a whole lot more people. I mean, Jairus' daughter, the rich guy in town, his daughter is at the door of death. He's got to be hurried up and take care of her. Now, whatever her doubts were, and maybe the closer she got to reaching out and touching God, the more her doubts actually grew. But still, she acted on faith. She left her house, and she went out, and she hunted for Jesus. And then when she saw him, her heart probably sank when she saw him packed into this big crowd pushing down the street on his way to heal the dying daughter of Jairus. This woman probably had every reason in the world to just turn around and go back home. But she let go of her doubts. She got rid of her pride. And she continued to press onto that crowd until she got closer and closer and closer to Jesus. And when she was close enough, she just reached out and she touched him. Now, knowing she might be discovered, knowing she could be subjected to public humiliation, she let go of her doubt, reached out, and touched his hem. And one touch was all it took because the Bible says she was healed just like that. Now, you may doubt that you are worthy to experience God's power in your life. If that's the way you feel, friends, build a bridge and get over it already. Let go of it. You may doubt you, have, you don't have what it takes to live the fullness of his blessing in your life. Let go of it. Get over it already. I mean, you may doubt that he'd ever be willing to heal you or whatever it is that affects you today. You've got to let go of that. Get over it already. To let go and let God. Let go of your doubt and instead reach out to him in faith. It doesn't matter how far away God may seem to be. And let's be honest, sometimes for all of us, God seems a long way away. That doesn't really make any difference. It doesn't make any difference how important you may believe that you are or what the rest of the crowd may say or actually think about you. We just need to let go of our doubts and to reach out and touch him. Now, Jesus said to the woman in verse 34, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, friends, if you want to create lasting change in your life, it takes an act of God. He can change you. Even the things that you can't change about yourself, God can change you. When you reach out and you touch him, he'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. For those things that you can't change by your own strength, he gives you the strength to do it. The shame that's holding you back, Jesus said, I can wash that away. The doubt that you struggle with, which most often boils down to just doubting the unending love of Jesus, he can make that disappear if you just reach out and touch him. Now, at the beginning of this message, I I called this kind of the principle of letting go, letting go of some things. But really what it amounts to is the principle of holding on. 
So I just want to say this one more time, just in conclusion. Let go of those things that hold you back. Let go of the stuff that just doesn't work. Let go of the shame and the fear and the pride in your life. Let go of all the doubts, but make sure that you hang on, hold on to Jesus. He'll give you the power to change your life forever. Let's pray. Father, each and every person here today probably suffers in one way or another. Each of us has an affliction of one kind that we'd like to be able to get rid of. We have tried just about anything and everything, it seems, sometimes. But maybe it's time to just stop doing all the stuff that we've tried to do and instead release ourselves into your hands. Forgive us for our foolish pride and for our sinfulness. And instead, just teach us to reach out to touch you, to hold on to Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. I'd like to invite uh, my wife to come forward this morning, Nancy. She uh, was so moved when I took her to Angola a couple of months ago and saw the, uh, why, or the children of the men come back that it moved her to actually sign up to be the head of Vacation Bible School. So if for no other reason she deserves my praise for stepping forward and doing that, and she wants to share a few things with you this morning before we see uh, another video about VBS.